What's up, you fabulous forkers, and welcome to Where Does Food, a food history podcast that tells you about the history of food. I'm one of your hosts, Elle, and I have my host today, Tim. Yeah, I'm your other host, Tim. I'm the guy. (laughs) I'm the guy. (laughs) He's the guy. And today, Tim, we're exploring food in World War One, aka the Great War. The Great War. We're doing this. The war to end all wars, they said. So we thought, right? So today's episode, it's going to work a little differently as we don't necessarily have a rating scale with this one as of right now. You want me to rate World War One? <laughs> we, we're gonna we're gonna rate the we're gonna rate the foods of World War One, but at the end, okay. But at the end, I want to hear. Right. We'll kind of yeah. This will kind of be like one of the more. Uh, we'll do it out of fifty. We'll do it out. Of, that's gonna be your marker right there. Don't even give me a marker. Just that's let me shoot. Like let most- me just shoot from the hip, L. At the end of the at the end of the podcast, I'll just give a fucking number, and it'll just be on a scale. Okay, I like that. All right, I'll take it. <laughs> I'll take it. Yeah. The the rules have changed. Okay. Yeah. What is that. this podcast? Who gives a shit? <laughs> <laughs> I am in a mood tonight. <laughs> it's your it's your buzzing uh it's your buzzing uh, tropical week yeah, you're feeling yeah, tonight. I am I am buzzing yeah. a little bit. So the biggest thing with foods from the First World War was that the government was, as the kids say, pushing that P with the P being preservation. Oh, uh, I thought yes, you were gonna say the pussy. recipes. <laughs> ah. Uh, Maybe the war would have went differently if that's what they were pushing. I don't know. (laughs) Maybe it would (laughs) have. Probably would have solved a couple of problems. (laughs) (laughs) The recipes from the Great War are merely variations of food that has a common denominator. The idea was that a person or family's choice to skip an ingredient in the kitchen meant that that ingredient and its calories could be used to help a soldier go to go the extra mile during World War One. Right. In fact, President Woodrow Wilson stated, the whole foundation of democracy lies in the individual initiative of its people and their willingness to serve the interests of the nation with, with complete self-accusement in the time of emergency. Jesus. What a, mou- what a mouthful. He could have just been like, do what you want for your country. You know what I mean? Nah. He was like, you yeah. guys need to sacrifice a little bit. Will you do that? I don't know. But yeah, I was like, yeah. wow, that could have, that theme could have went, <laughs> went far. Anyways. <laughs> so yeah, Tim, let's get into it. I wanted to provide a little background to the war first, because we're not only a food podcast, but we're a food history podcast. And yeah. this is. We're a war podcast now. <laughs> we're a war podcast. But here's the thing. It's like normally science time. We're going to do history time. History time in the history podcast. I'm not going to make a jingle for that because we are a history podcast and we always do history time. (laughs) 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 Okay, so there's a number of alliances involving European powers. The Ottoman Empire, Russia, and other parties had existed for years, but political instability, of course, in the Balkans, so that's going to be Bosnia, Serbia, and Herzegovina, threatened to destroy these agreements. The spark that ignited World War One was struck in Sarajevo, Bosnia, where Archduke Franz Ferdinand, heir to the Austro-Hungarian Empire, along with his wife Sophie, was shot by Serbian nationalist Gavrilo Princip on June 28, 1914. Princip and other nationalists were struggling to end the Austro-Hungarian rule over Bosnia-Herzegovina. Politics, we love it here. So, because Russia supported Serbia... Austria-Hungary waited to declare war until its leaders received assurance from German leader Kaiser Wilhelm II that Germany would support their cause. Austro-Hungarian leaders feared that a Russian intervention would involve Russia's ally, France, and possibly Great Britain as well. 
On July 5th, Kaiser Wilhelm secretly, here's a key, pledged support giving Austria-Hungary a quote-unquote blank check, assuring Jap- Germany's backing in case of war. Convinced that Austria-Hungary was readying for war, the Serbian government ordered the Serbian army to mobilize and appeal to Russia for assistance. The backstabbing. On July 28th, Austria-Hungary declared war on Serbia, and within a week, Russia, Belgium, France, Great Britain, and Serbia had lined up against Austria, Hungary, and Germany, which started World War One. So it's yeah. like, all right, cool. World War One, not really an issue for us over here in the United States. Right. Not so fast, my friend. Quoting Lee Corso. Um, so at the outbreak of fighting in 1914, the U.S. remained on the sidelines of World War One. They adopting state of neutrality, which Woodrow Wilson president at the time, continued to engage in commerce and shipping with European countries on both sides of the conflict. So it's like... Right. Classic. Classic, right? We're neutral. We're literally buying and selling both sides. Like, we're trying to chill. Here's where it gets a little kicker, though. In 1915, Germany declared the waters surrounding the British Isles to be a war zone, and German U-boats sunk several commercial and passenger vessels, including some U.S. ships. Then, in May 1915... Germans came under fire and under widespread protests over the sinking of the British ocean liner Lithuania, traveling from New York to Liverpool, England, with hundreds of American passengers on board. This helped turn the American public opinion of Germans and the war. Then, in January 1917, so about two years later, the German foreign minister, Germany dude, Arthur Zimmerman, sent a telegram to Mexico suggesting that if the U.S. should declare war on Germany... Mexico should declare war on the U.S., and in return, Mexico would get back the territories that were lost in the Mexican-American War. So, oh, Texas, shit. New Mexico, and Arizona. I know. What a play. The telegram, though, it was intercepted by the British and hurriedly given to the Americans. Although Mexico had no intention of declaring war on the United States, the publication of the letter further mobilized the American people against the Central Powers. Damn. In February 1917, Congress passed a 200 and $50 million arms appropriations bill, which is intended to make the U.S. ready for the war. $250 million for 1917. That's wild. That's wild. That's as stupid as a scope of amount of money at that time. Um, So Germany ended up sinking four more U.S. merchant ships in the following month, and on April 2nd, Woodrow Wilson appeared before Congress and called for a declaration of war against Germany. So, right? So, like, I'm a peasant and know, like, nothing about World War I outside of the fact that, like, Archduke Ferdinand, Archduke Ferdinand, like, you know, he died, and I knew that, like, kicked off a whole series of events. I had no fucking fucking clue that Germany was trying to play Mexico against the states. That's insane. No, the Zimmerman telegram. Yeah. They were, and they were, they, I mean, it's like, and really they were out here that were, they were funding the fuel. They were like, hey, yeah. we have a blank check for you guys. If you're trying to make yeah. this happen, you just let us know. And we'll, you know, we'll call the purse. And then, yeah, they just kept, <laughs> we'll call, they just kept playing. The, we'll call the purse. Kept playing it, man. Dude, like, come on. Uh, and like, here, here's where, here's where the, the twist, hurt. like, I'm sure some of you are not going to be surprised to learn that American businessmen were very interested in the Allied victory, and many, such as uh, J.P. Morgan, helped fund British and French war efforts with approximately <clears throat> three billion in loans and bond purchases. So, if the oh. Allies would be de- were to be defeated by the Central Powers, they probably wouldn't be able to repay their debt to the U.S. lenders. So, many businessmen, 
supported uh, the so-called quote-unquote preparedness movement, which campaigned for the U.S. intervention in the war on the side of the Allied forces. Golly. So we had we had businessmen out here trying to be like, yeah, we'll fund fund the French and the Brits. And then they're like, oh, wait, no, no, just kidding. I don't think you guys are going to win. Golly. Send the boys. That's insane. Send the boys. I know, right? That's wild. That's wild. 1914 to 1918, and by the time everything said was said and done, 16 million soldiers and civilians perished. That's yeah. now it's history time. Yeah, that's a brutal. That's World War One. Yeah, it's a brutal one. All right, so food was a weapon during World War One. Like, who would have thought, right? So the idea was that the U.S. government needed their citizens to save wheat, meat, fats, and sugars. You've probably heard us say variations of this throughout <laughs> this entire podcast. Like not obviously going to be just this this episode, but just in general, the the foods and how certain recipes and ingredients have shaped this right here. Right, they asked instead of wheat, they people would use corn instead of meat to use more fish and beans, and they preferred that we use syrups to sweeten things instead of sugars. Fats were encouraged, but in just small quote unquote just enough amounts. So the United States Food Administration was created in 1970, and it was headed by a man called, you've probably heard of him, Herbert Hoover, and he campaigned to convince Americans to voluntarily change their eating habits in order to save enough food to feed our military and starving civilians in Europe. So yeah. Damn. The guy who's going to be president, yeah, one day. That Herbert Hoover. Poor old fucking Hoover, man. The kid kid became president, and then we hit a fucking big-ass depression. Hooverville's baby. (laughs) Sheesh. Oh man, that's bad. Yeah. That's cool, not man. Great time. I, that, not, that, not great timing. That's cool that he uh he was involved in uh telling the American people that they just need to use the right amount. Oh, it gets better. It gets better. So US citizens were strongly encouraged by the Food Administration to forego certain ingredients to save them for American allies and American soldiers. From nineteen seventeen to nineteen eighteen, fourteen million households pledged to Observe two wheatless days a week, save sugar every day, eat no meat on Tuesdays, keep Saturdays porkless, and make every day a fat-saving day. Tim, do you think you could abide by that for a uh, week, for four, well, it was about a year, yeah. Um, I, uh, yeah, 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 okay, like, yeah. If, are we talking about me being planted back into 1914, or are we talking about that enacting today? Well, okay. I need, I need parameters for your question, L. Because no, you bring up a good point, Tim. Because I think about because if I, I read this and it's like I think people people eat, do this. Yeah, you read that and I'm like I don't eat any of that. <laughs> people do but right, then, but then now. I'm thinking about 1914 and I'm like, well, that's a different ball game. But though. in 1914, I don't know though. It would be very hard. It'd be very Pork hard to, was big to time shift back then. Pork was big game back then. Wheat was wheat was huge. I mean, wheat's still pretty big in my life. Wheat's the hardest one. You said two wheatless days. Uh, just week. two wheatless days though that's the you still get five one. days of wheat i don't know i don't know coach you don't get it <laughs> those pb and j's you don't get it pb and j's hit they hit whenever they hit all right i can't control the craving they just hit they uh, hit when they hit yeah, I don't know. <laughs> they smack <laughs> <laughs> i don't know what to tell you <laughs> they smacked though they, yeah it's okay you took the word i don't know what to tell you <laughs> they smack <laughs> so The administration, they advocated using alternatives like honey or molasses for sugar and corn and barley for wheat. They educated with memorable slogans such as, and I quote, when in doubt, eat potatoes. And, (laughs) and I quote, 
<laughs> Help us observe the gospel of the clean play. I thought I thought you were gonna like rhyme. I thought you straight it was straight up just like <laughs> No rhyming. That's one of my favorite things, when dude. It, they were just like yeah. When in doubt, eat potatoes, potatoes dude. No worry about it. I swear Which, to God. Like, that's honestly a good moniker. <laughs> I agree. Like, when in doubt, just eat potatoes. You can fry them. You can bake them. Like, you, like when scallop them. Like, however eat. you want to do it. Mash them. Yeah. Potatoes are versatile as fuck. It's just very funny. They're super versatile. <laughs> when in doubt, eat potatoes. Get the fuck out of here. Eat potatoes. I swear to God. <laughs> well, Tim, this is the government trying to market this. Not our snake oil salesmen that we are used to hearing yeah, of. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> When in doubt, eat potatoes. (laughs) The fact that it's the government, too. I know the government probably made like a nice little thing and it wasn't threatening, but the government's like such a. It's like on a poster. The government's such a threatening entity that all I can envision is just like, it's just like, hey, what's like a potato gun? Fucking potatoes. I swear to God. Buds are just being shot yeah, at your it's face. Like, it's just like the fucking ATF just at your fucking <laughs> doorstep, <laughs> kicking your door in. You better eat fucking potatoes. Eat fucking potatoes. Did you have three wheat days this week? I swear to God. Fucking potatoes. That's where potato bread. Is that came. fucking point? Surely this is where potato bread came from. Like this Probably. has to be it. <laughs> <laughs> but the nah, potato cakes, yeah. It's the gotta patty. be that's gotta be some like Irish bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck dude. So yeah, they had incredible slogans like that. And they also had Meatless Mondays and Wheatless Wednesday. Um, oh, the government so they know, taken over they the- know alliteration. They just gave up. I swear to God, they gave up. I keep I keep cutting you off. But the fact that they were like Wheatless Wednesdays, Meatless Mondays, like <laughs> Our U.S. government gave up a long time ago, Tim. That's what you should get. For- <laughs> but they were just like, yeah, when in doubt, eat potatoes. I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to tell you. I don't like, they couldn't think of anything else. When in doubt, eat potatoes. <laughs> they should have just. Again, I don't think they're wrong. The calendar, the calendar for the week should have just been like potatoes. I don't know. <laughs> potatoes. Potatoes, man. Potatoes on Monday. Potatoes I on Tuesday. You know what, though? If there, if I had a steady flow of potatoes coming in, I probably could la- last off of potatoes. Sure, for a because little it's like bit. you said, they're you'd so be, versatile. You'd be yeah. so malnourished. A little bit. You'd be so malnourished. One hundred percent. But like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> they they got some decent like nutrients, but Jesus Christ, that would be not enough. No. Not, not enough, enough of some shit. <laughs> not enough. Absolutely not. So, Tim, you're probably wondering, though, like, how how are we transporting all of these things? Like, we don't have planes like that, right? Like, we're not yeah. we're not air freighting these. No. Well, the government had taken over the railroads and given yeah. preference to shipping war necessities, right? So, this left many communities with fewer fruits and vegetables than when they received before the war. In response, many people grew what are called war gardens, and the government also encouraged buying locally and growing these quote-unquote liberty gardens. So I think this is actually kind of cool because I wish this is something that we would have stuck through, but a number of organizations mobilized civilians to create liberty gardens or war gardens as growing food would allow more commercially grown produce to be available for our troops and European allies. The National War Garden Commission was created in 1917, and it encouraged Americans to cultivate gardens and it aimed to 
quote unquote, arouse the patriots of America to the importance of putting all idle land to work and to teach them how to do it and to educate them to conserve by canning and drying all food they could not eat while fresh. Eating local meant less need for transportation, which was required to move troops, munitions, and coal. The campaign resulted in over 5 million gardens. Community gardens Jeez. sprang up and children tilled the land at their schools. Insane. That's just like an absurd amount. Like, it, it pisses me off that, like, the only time we do that is for, is for like, a war effort. We shouldn't just, I know. We shouldn't just do that because. Because it's like, if we, right, because if you do that on, like, a scale to today, like, that would that's be the, so beneficial. That's the thing is, like, and that's, a, that's something that comes up all the time, right? It's like, shop local, shop local. And we've mm-hmm. talked a little bit about, like, how there are uh, food deserts in this country, but there's also uh, food swamps in this country. Food swamps, yep. It's amazing to me that we see that, but that's okay now because, I don't know, uh, corporatism? I don't fucking know. I don't know what point I'm trying to make. I'm just saying it's it's a little frustrating that community it's, gardening... No, it's very frustrating. Community gardening only gets brought up when it's for some fucking war effort as opposed to just it being good for people to shop local. Just the normal, and, yeah. And it being good right. for communities and it bringing communities together. I don't know. That's annoying. That's frustrating. It's very frustrating. And so part of this was that women played a large role in the war garden movements and they were known as farmerettes or land, or, or I should say, soldiers of the land. The Women's Land Army of America equipped over 20,000 women to aid farms after the male workers enlisted in the military. Demonstration centers taught agricultural skills to whomever needed it to ensure these practices were put into place. That, I think, is also the kicker, that there are people in places where you could actually learn the skills and then go and apply. Like, I, Can yeah. I go take a farming class at the agricultural center right now if I went? If I wanted to start my own farm. Right. Like. Yeah. Yeah. Big facts. I I genuinely don't know. And it's like, I'm not trying to watch a YouTube video about that. Like, I'd like to go out and actually learn, you know. So another big thing, it's like, all right. Yeah. I think that was interesting. It's like, we're actually going to, if we're going to do this, we're at least teaching the information. Right. I feel like, and I feel like that's a line to be drawn so heavily for me when it comes to like, quote unquote, government intervention is just like. If 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 mm-hmm. if anything, just be good at getting objective information out. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like if an you can just resource, get be good, an actual resource. Yeah. Yep. If you could just get good objective information out to people, you don't have to force people to do things. You don't have to like enact all of this crazy shit to like force hands and uh, you know like that shit with uh yes. in, in the soda episode number two with the uh, Bloomberg in New York where the whole <laughs> yeah trying to have a <laughs> stop like a certain size of soda. I think they did an episode on Parks and Rec about this. They had an episode about <laughs> where they had that whole thing about trying to stop the selling of certain sizes because it's bad for people like but in reality all you have to do is just like tell people that it's bad and then that's all you should do and then from there if people want it people get it and they understand the consequences of getting it and that's it that's it that's the end of that and that's right um yeah and that's the that's yeah but so like i so i agree in the sense of just like yeah it's great like you can just go and get this information and it can be in that helped and i mean it seems to be a um a thing right it's like hey it's out there that information can help push trends essentially 
just because mm-hmm. it exists, just because it's accessible. <laughs> Absolutely. So this is a wild stat to me. Voluntary conservation of food reduced U.S. domestic food consumption by more than 15%. And at the same time, the U.S. dramatically increased food production in order to keep ailing British and French soldiers fed. And by the harvest of 1918, American food exports had tripled. Those are absurd. Yeah, that's absurd. I gotta say, impressed. Yeah. Let's look at this pledge situation that 14 million Americans took. Here it is. So here's the details about this. So Meatless Monday, kind of popular today, um, but the Food Administration coined the term over 100 years ago. They pleaded with Americans to participate in lowering meat consumption, particularly beef and pork. The administration campaigned with posters and published information in pamphlets, newspapers, and magazines to encourage meatless meals. They also created recipes and sample menus for meatless days. So, alternative proteins included fish, beans, peanuts, other nuts, and cheeses. Uh, Many recipes featured vegetables, especially those that were grown in those homegrown community gardens. And then no satale eating was also promoted. So, you had recipes using um, things with kidneys, liver, heart, snout, and every part of the animal. Nothing would be wasted. Like, really going back to our roots here. Yeah. Yeah, all right. You're going to, you're asking us to do this thing and partake or partake in changing our diets all right here is recipes and things that you can actually do in order to to successfully do that which again like that's like you said providing resources providing objective information a lot of people were obviously like backing the war effort but that doesn't mean everyone is backing the war effort you know yeah no there's There's probably still some people that are always 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 people who are gonna object to war it will never not be a thing. I mean, you can, yeah, you can kind of look at it now. I don't think there's a lot of like woo-hawing about war efforts from America right. these days. I think there's a ton of people that are just like, hey, can yeah. you not actually? But yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely a general sentiment change for sure. So in 1960, Americans ate an astonishing 85 pounds of sugar per person a year for comp purposes. The Brits consumed 40 pounds on average, the French 37 pounds, and Germans only only 20 pounds. So we loved sugar and we spent an estimated $80 million annually on candy. Uh, So to increase sugar conservation, the administration encouraged Americans to use less sugar in their coffee and tea, eat less candy, and stop frosting cakes. Alternatives to white sugar included honey, maple syrup, corn syrup, and molasses. And then they, again, provided wartime recipes that use these uh, sweeteners. And the FDA actually started to promote fruit in desserts. So fresh fruit preserves and dried fruit, such as raisin and dates. Moreover, additional sugar could be used for canning fruit, as officials recognize the overall conservation value of preserves. In order to purchase sugar, shoppers had to present the merchant with a card issued by the county food administrator. Retailers and wholesalers were required to sign certificates stating that they would follow the food laws regulated to the sale of sugar. Damn. And then that's right. The administration promoted using less oil by baking, broiling, and boiling food rather than frying. They issued uh, a bunch of tips on saving oil, dripping, and how to render and reuse fats. A number of recipes substituted butter with margarine or shortening. Then, Tim, yep, your favorite, potatoes. Yep. Uh, the <laughs> administration urged Americans to eat potatoes whenever possible in any variation as the weight of potatoes made them impractical to ship across the Atlantic Ocean. It was too heavy to ship. We were g- The potatoes had to stay here. We had to eat the potatoes. When in doubt, eat potatoes. But corn. Yeah. Let's talk about corn. So corn was the grain of America, as it was called. It could be used to make 
cornbread, griddle cakes, muffins, and yeah. other baked goods. War bread could contain any number of alternative flours, so that included rice, barley, rye, oats, potato, or buckwheat. Another aim of the administration involved stopping food waste, especially of bread. The government standardized the size of loaves of bread made by bakeries. Only bread baked with an exact percentage of substitute ingredients as required by the food laws could be called victory bread. So apparently uh, in Oregon, they had two recipes for bread. They had war bread, which contained 40% of wheat substitutes, while you also had victory bread, and that contained roughly 25% of substitutes. So uh, I couldn't actually confirm this. I did see a commentary where people's stomachs were hurting, consuming this variation of bread, and so that they would prefer to go die on the battlefields of France than eat the bread because it would be a less painful death. We've just had whiny bitch. Yeah, people are like, oh, yeah. Jesus. It's super dramatic. Like, and I'm like, again, good to dramatic. see. Good to see. That seems dramatic. That can't be that bad. I don't want to hear anyone saying that we're soft. Like, you, there was pe- there's just soft all the time. Yeah. 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 Let's not. Like, I don't even want to open up the can of worms of, like, believing that the past is some fucking beacon of let's, hope and prosperity. Just, Get the fuck just, out of here, guys. That's, everyone has always been and will be a bunch of fucking absolute degens. Every time. To your point, Tim, from earlier, Every let's talk about time. some of these victory cookbook recipes. So, these cookbooks were created in lieu of the war and the efforts needed at home to support the Allied troops. For Wheatless Mondays, from Alice Bradley's Wheatless and Meatless Menus and Recipes, 1918, the Food Administration argued that if Americans could use more corn, millions of bushels of wheat would be liberated for allies. We've got Hoover cornbread with the incredible endorsement from the director of the food administration, Herbert Hoover. He says, and I quote, we all like corn. And I quote, and that's how he sold it. Yeah, two cups of yellow cornmeal, two tablespoons of baking powder, teaspoon of salt, two cups of milk, tablespoon of shortening or cooking oil, and then a teaspoon of corn syrup. Put it all together, split it, boom, there you go. That's your bread. That's your Hoover cornbread. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. A a teaspoon Mm -hmm. of uh, corn syrup? We got to... We're, pr- we're preserving, oh, Tim. Okay. You right, you right, you right, mm-hmm. you right, you right. That's a bland cornbread. Oh, yeah. Then you had Meatless Tuesdays. Camouflage roast from the 20th Century Wartime Cookbook, 1918. And I quote, we must save meat to save ourselves. That's from the Food Administration. They really, they're really hitting the quotes, you know? Yeah, yeah. This is two cups of breadcrumbs, a cup of peanuts, grounded or fine, a juice of half a lemon, a pinch of mace, pepper, one small grated okay. onion, one teaspoon butter substitute. One egg, one cup of milk, one teaspoon of flour or cornstarch. Mix all that stuff together. You pretty much stir the flour into the melted butter substitute, add milk and onion, bring to a boil, add nuts, add the breadcrumbs, remove from the fire, add lemon, egg, and a mace, bake in a buttered pudding dish till brown and serve with tomato sauce. Oh, oh, buddy. I don't know about that's that. Supposed to, that's supposed to be like a meatloaf substitute. Uh-huh. Oh, no. Uh-huh. <laughs> Uh-huh. That doesn't sound good at all. It doesn't sound good at all. I just feel like, I'll take the tomato sauce. Thank you. Um, Wheatless Wednesdays. Oh, Here you go. Man. You'll like this one. I, potato okay. waffles from Pauline Partridge and Hester Conklin in Wheatless and Meatless Days, 1918. You got one cup cold mashed potatoes. You got one cup milk, two egg yolks, one teaspoon melted fat, fourth cup sugar, half cup rye flour, teaspoon salt, two teaspoons of baking powder, Two stiffly beaten egg whites. So we're okay. using again, we're using all, all part of the egg. So you mix all that stuff together. Mix the sugar, salt, flour, the egg yolks, the beaten eggs. Yep. Add melted fat. Beat, fold in the egg whites. Pour into the hot, greased 
waffle iron, filling iron two-thirds for each, full into each time. Cook until yep. brown and serve with maple or caro syrup, which I wanted to yeah. double check on caro syrup. Um, it's a commercially prepared corn syrup made from cornstarch. Um, it's yeah. typically used to make foods sweet and moist while also preventing the crystallization of sugar. I I would probably eat I would probably eat that. Yeah, that sounds great, man. It doesn't sound sounds bad. Wonderful. Yeah. No, it sounds wonderful. Sounds like a delightful waffle. The egg whites are gonna give it all that air, and then the potato, the mashed potatoes, will give it some moisture. Mm-hmm. It's got the starch in there as well, so that's good. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. So I'll take I'll take that day. Um, we've got sugar and fat saving Thursday, so we're making popcorn okay. balls. Popcorn balls. You got it. Two hundred and seventy-five wartime recipes, nineteen eighteen. I don't know why I'm saying all these with a southern accent, but here we go. Yeah, I don't know either. The no, country's no. diverse. L. <laughs> I can't. Probably, oh, you're gonna probably the same reason why I do like a northeastern guy every time. I was gonna say I can't do the north. I can't. I can't. I try. I'm not gonna. One cup of molasses. Two tablespoons <laughs> of margarine. That's a good Midwest. <laughs> <laughs> One tablespoon of sugar. Ah, I don't know what happened there. All right. Yeah, I'm about to go Midwest. Peter Griffin. Here we go. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for- <laughs> Four teaspoon baking soda, a half a teaspoon of salt. So you're going to boil the molasses in the oleo three minutes. Add sugar. Boil till it threads very lightly. Remove and add the sugar. Pour over the popcorn. Shape and roll in wax papers. Yeah, man. Uh, popcorn balls. It's everyone's uh, least favorite Halloween treat. Love it. And in, in fact, this is actually, I'm so glad you said that. There's a quote from the 20th Century Club War, wartime cookbook. And it says, and a uh, quote, popcorn is very valuable as a food. Give the children popcorn balls. They will be happy and satisfied and you'll be helping your country by saving on other sweets. End quote. Apparently Tim would not be. Listen, no, I, I absolutely would be because as I've stated previously, I'm a big popcorn <laughs> fan. Love popcorn. <laughs> 10 out of fucking 10. Popcorn's the best. All I'm saying is, is that popcorn balls as like a how like a trick-or-treating, get a popcorn ball. No, I agree. How you feel about that? You know what I mean? You're it's not, not candy. I'm pissed. You're not stoked. You know what I mean? You're like, okay, cool. Thanks for the popcorn ball. It's better than the toothpaste and toothbrush oh, people. Oh, yeah. Are, so. Fuck those people. No Can't one likes believe you. that that exists do in that? every neighborhood. Unreal that that Unreal. exists in every, every suburban neighborhood. There's always the toothpaste and toothbrush couple. And, like, fuck you, okay? Fuck you. Yeah. All right? Like, I we all know a, what we're out here for. You know how disrespectful? Mood. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. How disrespectful just, yeah. is that? It's, it's Halloween, man. We know. Like, there's not a fuck. This isn't like no one's like, oh, I don't know. Uh, eating a lot April of candy Fools. is bad for you. It's like we know that this is not normal because it's one day a year. Exactly. Exactly. This is not the time to sit on your fucking high horse and be like, remember to have good dental care. And it's like, yeah, dude, I fucking know. Okay. You know how I know? Because we only do this one day a year. Okay. Give me some fucking candy. <laughs> I fucking get it. Just give me the goddamn fun size candy bars. Unless you're rich, give me the full size ones. Mm, mm-hmm, Don't mm-hmm. skimp. Don't mm-hmm. skimp. If you're rich, get the full size candy bars. Either way, that's my Halloween candy rant. 
That's a good rant. Just we should remember do that. if you, yeah, remember if you give popcorn balls, you're better than the toothpaste people, but you're lesser than the candy people. And it's like, do you really want to be mediocre? I don't know. When you yeah, that's be great. the hierarchy of that's the hierarchy of uh, of, of it goes deeper. I it goes deeper. Oh, it definitely goes. Deep. Like I agree the, with that. Yeah, people that do na- name brand candies are above the people that do like the offshoot candies. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like you yeah. said, the full like size. If you're the if. Yeah, if you're the people grabbing the dots and the smarties, if you're grabbing that bag, it's like, okay, like we're not going to complain, but you know what you're doing. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're grabbing dots. Like right? we appreciate it, but like, come on. All right, come on. Like again, I'll take the candy, but come on. So Either way, let's move on. <laughs> we're taking that, but we're going to Fat Free Friday. Fat Free Friday. We're going to make war butter from the Win the War cookbook. So, I think like we just called everything war. War I know. this, war that. So this is fun. This is... How to make two pounds of butter out of one pound. Oh. One pound butter. Yeah. One pint rich milk. One tablespoon gelatin. If you want creamy butter, huh. Wait, put small what? Yeah. No. Put small amount of cold milk with some gelatin. Heat the rest. Pour over soaked gelatin. Add to butter. Heat until it begins to thicken. Place on platter by spoonful to thicken. What? Yeah, they literally added gelatin to butter. <clears throat> that's inc- that's amazing. They uh-huh. they made Butter jello. They made butter jello. <laughs> also, I hate that. I mean, I well, no. I guess I guess gelatin was I guess gelatin was made enough at the time. Gelatin is like made from uh marrow, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, mm-hmm. sh- sure. Maybe it, I guess it was accessible at the time. I don't know. That's weird. Yeah, cuz I guess they were I mean, if they're doing skin to tail for sure bone, for sure yeah, yeah right yeah no yeah you're right you're right yeah thank you for mentioning that so europeans lacked butter extending butter at home was the only way i say the only but it was one way to help the war effort other fats such as glycerin were also needed for the manufacture of explosives so that yeah. kind of blew my mind that we're putting sugar and sugar glycerin and uh you know explosives then you've got porkless saturdays mock sausage from the 20th century club wartime cookbook oh yeah give it to me here you go. Are you ready for this? You got a cup of lemon beans, half a tablespoon of powdered sage. Hold on. Half, hold on. You said you said I, lima beans? I said one cup lima beans. Them green You're boys. You're th- already wrong start. Wrong green boys. foot. Half teaspoon dry thyme. I think I said tablespoon of powdered sage. It's a teaspoon of powdered yep. sage. Teaspoon dried sweet marjoram, corn or okay. veggie oil, salt, mace, flour. Soak lima beans overnight. Boil until very soft. Drain and mash. Season with salt, yep. pepper, and half a teaspoon of sage, thyme, and marjoram. Make the rolls about the size of a finger. Roll in the flour yeah. and fry a golden brown in corn or veggie oil. You created lima bean patties. That's mock sausage. Which, li- listen, and, and that doesn't necessarily sound bad. A lot of mace back in the day. Uh, that didn't necessarily sound awful. Probably a little under seasoned, but for the time that makes sense. But yeah, that's weird to use lima beans as the mock sausage bean. Mm-hmm. I would say that's a weird. That's a weird. It's move. very strange. That's a weird move. That's a weird. It's move. a little strange. Maybe like a pinto or something like that. You know, something that's a little bit. I don't know, brown for one. Uh, <laughs> 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 you know, maybe not as vegetable. I know. I think it's a weird lime. choice that lima beans. Lima beans were. are so vegetal. Why would you use? I don't know. 
I don't know. Sausage, pork sausage is not vegetal at all. So just And like, I didn't see anything about like they were shipping other beans off. So I don't think, I don't know yeah, if it was, it was like an issue of. they used. I like don't maybe know. Not, like not even a kidney bean. Like, I don't know. I, yeah, I, I don't about know. about that, kid. I don't know, kid. All right. We got to get to the dessert, right? So we got sugarless sundae, war cake. And this one's from the U.S. Food Administration's War Economy and Food Cookbook. Here's your favorite. You got a cup of molasses cup of corn syrup, one and a half cups of water, a cup of raisins, two tablespoons fat, one tablespoon salt, sorry, teaspoon salt, teaspoon cinnamon, teaspoon cloves, nutmeg, rye flour, baking soda, and then two teaspoons of baking powder. You boil together for five minutes the first nine ingredients that are listed. You cool okay. add the sifted dried ingredients and bake into two loaves for 45 minutes in a moderate oven. This cake should be kept several days before using. It makes about 20 to 25 servings. If desired, use one cup of oatmeal in place of the flour. That's what's up. <laughs> to your point, there was also potato bread scalloped cabbage, cornbread, bean and tomato stew, savory rice, poultry with peas, buckwheat, chocolate cake, and chocolate fudge frosting. I mean, also, just real quick, I just want to say that that cake, which is just like, it's just a sweet bread, um, actually doesn't sound terrible, I'm be honest with you. And I actually think if you replace the flour with the oats, you almost do something better for it because oats and raisins are a thing of, of glory. And you have cinnamon and nutmeg in there. Um, it just sounds like all the stuff is maybe like a little under seasoned, but again, the time being like, it makes sense. Um, right. but again, I mean, you're using cloves and nutmeg with cinnamon, which those like cloves are pretty strong and nutmeg's pretty toasty and strong. So I think that just kind of amplifies the cinnamon. I think that's a good recipe. I like that one. I like that one. That's not bad. I was like that and the potato cakes, I think, or the potato waffles, yeah. my apologies. I think we're the two that I was like, that could actually be. Yeah. And I think the, the corn syrup, like the corn syrup's fine. I think now like there's not a sugar ration. So like just use sugar. But yeah, I mean, the molasses is a hit for sure. And it's like. I fuck with it. Yeah. It was pr- honestly not bad. So I do want to know, like we kind of have spoken about how manufacturing has changed like the consumerism of food and how quickly so we really see like we see a little bit of that in the first world war but consumerism didn't really hit the type of peak that it did post world war one but with that being said though a lot of manufacturing that was used to make food turned into war producing machines because of technological advancements the weaponry created that made world war one one of the most deadliest wars which okay makes sense in the grand scheme of time right the this war had planes and massive ships um not exactly crossing the delaware right so it's like of course at this time this is going to be the the deadliest war um and i also want to make note at this time americans were also dealing with the influence of 1918 in the united states approximately 292,000 deaths were reported between september and december 1918 so right right so it's like not only are you dealing with war efforts abroad during this year but you're also having to deal with the influenza of 1918 and dealing with that here domestically yeah on top of that trying to essentially ration and preserve foods and change your diets completely like there's a yeah. lot a lot going there's on a lot um, going on yeah there's a lot going on um but yeah for the most part that is those were the p the preservation the saving of the fats the meatless mondays uh wheatless wednesdays those were the corn can't forget corn yeah those are the the solid foundation ground blocks of the food of world war one which is wild to yeah. me yeah yeah i didn't know that there was like a full ass like weekly fucking planner from the u.s government during the first world war that's pretty 
nuts. And it's like, I think there's something to be said about the average U.S. citizen was rationing food during wartime in general, because that was like the U.S.'s way of like helping the efforts abroad and the allied empires because it's like a, it's pretty much like about full three years before the united states because like we pretty much come in at the end mm-hmm. right like the yeah. war not to say the war's over but it's like grand scheme people have been fighting for about three three and a half years before the u.s is like all right we're gonna do yeah. this from there efforts in turn were supporting the troops but also in some cases showing a spotlight on locally grown and produce foods in the area, thereby supporting the people directly in the community as well as abroad. One thing that we're going to talk about is in the next episode, Tim. There's a part two to this. Yeah. We're all about the parts. Yeah. We're going to talk about World War Two. Yeah, we are. We are just hitting everyone with the part twos recently. This one we like, knew about, though. This one we knew about. Yeah, this one we knew, but yeah, but a lot of a lot of stuff happening between World War One, of course, and then obviously in World War Two, right? Like a lot of historical yeah. events happen in between there. We're about to have a depression. Yeah, it's a pretty good amount of time <laughs> mm-hmm. between mm-hmm. the two. So yeah, but yeah, that's it, Tim. I mean, what do you think? I mean, do you think you'd be able, like I said, now that you've had some ideas of what type of foods you'd be dealing with and what type of recipes are expected? I mean, what do you think here? I mean, I think like I think if you put me back then, it doesn't seem like there's much of a choice. I think it's possible. I think you give that to me now, and I think I can make it better. <laughs> I think when I hear about like some of the, and I just think in general we've gone a long ways to mm-hmm. uh, gone a long ways in the terms of. Uh, meat substitutes, even in the, even if we take out things like Impossible and mm-hmm. Beyond, yeah, like get rid of those like super scientific ones, and we've still come a lot further in terms of like meat substitute techniques that you can do at home. Right. I th- again, I think you give that that weekly burden to people now. I think that's so so much easier with just the commodification of everything. Like it's unreal how how much easier that is. Because uh, the different flours are easier to get a hold of, right? Um, like you said, yeah. different protein bases. Yeah. Even if you, even if, yeah, even if you're rationing things, it doesn't necessarily just with no. how easily everything is uh is accessible. It's even our sugars, man. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Different types of sugars, and that's what I thought. It was also barley, rye. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. That's interesting. I did not know that uh, that they did a full weekly planner. That's impressive. It is impressive. I will am give I giving that. A sc- am I am I giving a score now, or am I waiting till I hear World War Two and then I? You said you wanted. Two. You said you wanted to do uh, a score, but I'm like, yeah. I mean, um, you could do. Yeah, right. You could do it that way. Yeah, we'll uh, forget this number like we did. One hundred percent. It's also um, partially true. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> uh, didn't both didn't both world wars last four years? Yes. Yes. Um. Pretty sure they did. Again, I'm a peasant. I don't know anything about the wars. Um. So we'll do a scale of one to four. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I like that. Okay. And you know oh, wait. what? World War Two was five years. No, wait, it was nineteen thirty? So nineteen thirty nine to nineteen forty five was six years. I I will. I uh, okay. Let's do uh, a one to six then. And I, you know what? Yeah, I a- will give World War One a fucking three. Right down the middle. There's some cool interesting. Stuff. Okay. There's some cool recipes. I love the gardening stuff. That was the best part. Yeah, I and, agree. Um, it allowed me to talk shit about popcorn ball people at, during Halloween and toothbrush people and toothbrush people. And I overall though, yeah, I give uh, I give the the recipes a, a, a three out of six. Uh, not not great, not, not bad. bad. Right down the middle. 
Yeah. Uh, I'm excited to hear about World War II. Uh, I have a weird feeling that I'm going to give them, uh, uh, give them, <laughs> give World War II a better score for its I would recipes. Say, yeah. I feel like time goes on a little bit. It's closer to, it's closer to my uh, lifetime. So I feel like there's going to be more uh, ability to kind of, you know, hearken, hearken to similarities as opposed to uh, World War One, in which I have uh, nothing. I have no, there's no, Yeah. when when you mentioned the oats and molasses and yeah. uh, raisins, I was like, oh, something that sounds familiar. Because <laughs> everything else was foreign. Uh, was way foreign, yeah, no. Yeah, so I, I have a feeling, maybe not, but that's what I'm going with. Uh, so three out of six. Three out of six ain't um, bad. Yes, okay. But yeah, it's World War One. That's World War One. That's the end of the podcast. That's where it is World War One uh, food edition. And you hear that? That's, uh, that's awesome, Martin. He's playing in years. And you love it. And you love the intro and you love our stingers. And if you don't, fuck you. Um, Because I love it. You should go check him out on uh, Apple and Spotify. He's there. And you should listen to him. Give him some listens. He gets a little bit of money for it. But since it's Spotify and Apple, he gets like a cent per 5,000 million plays. But still, you should do it. You should do it. Check us out on Twitter. We're at Where Does Food. Uh, I'm at Tim Weehunt. And I'm at El Chapo with three underscores between L and Chapo. Thank you. That's right. That's right. That's right. Guys, you can also check us out uh, on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and a lot of other podcast catchers. And you can donate to us if you feel like it. We do have a button. You can donate to us. Uh, buy us a coffee. It's great. Do that. Support the podcast. Another way you can support the podcast by leaving reviews. We always love reviews. And if you're still listening to this outro, which is, would be incredible because nobody listens to outros, um, thank you so, 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 so much. And you can find all of the show notes and all that fun stuff, uh, like links to our socials and things like that, and to Austin Martin. Uh, you can find all that stuff in the show notes. Uh, just click on the little description thing on whatever uh, podcast platform you're using, and it'll be there. Links and all. You just click, and it takes you to it That's most of the time. Most of the time. Unless I mess it up. Unless I mess it up, and then it doesn't work. But either way, okay. that is it. That's the end of the show. That was World War One. Um, I hope you love your family and your pets, and I hope you get a good night's rest tonight. I think Thank we will. Thank you for listening. <laughs>